0: Hello, welcome to Time to Say Goodbye. It is the 15th of May, Monday. For the past couple weeks, Tammy, like our record on Monday release on Wednesday schedule has like been strangely news like news has hit between. <laughs> I was just say that as like a throwaway and um it's been weird. It's like stuff has happened. It's not just Andy's like uh it's not just Andy's like bad NBA predictions. Although he was he was right in the end actually.
1: World, yeah. I
0: um, guess so. Yeah. yeah. So now it's almost uh but yeah, the world changes very quickly these days. Um Tammy, how are you doing? Yeah.
1: Yeah, I'm doing good. I um have been kind of sick, but I'm doing fine. New York's really hot. I'm going to um I'm going on a trip to France this week. So I'm very excited. You're
0: going on a trip to France this week? Yeah.
1: So, yeah, so the next time we talk, Jay, I'll be in a different hotel room as usual. Oh, my God. Is
0: your passport, like, all filled up?
1: (laughs) I had to get a different one.
0: Did you have to get one? Are you, like, one of those additional pages person where you have additional (laughs) (laughs) pages stapled That's my goal, Jay.
1: (laughs) I feel like they kind of stopped doing the old school stamps in a lot of places. They just do some,
0: like,
1: digital stuff. Anyway.
0: Oh, time. yeah. There's like, <laughs> I don't know. In my hostel days, which lasted a very short period of time, but you know, there's a period of time where I would occasionally find myself in a youth hostel. And it was always like a big. Totally. Big currency for the people who are like, I have the additional staple <laughs> of the passport. Yeah, this is back exactly. like 1998 or something like that. So I have no idea. This is like a 30 something year old reference, but like I do remember that that <laughs> or like 26 year old reference or something. But I do remember that was a thing. They don't do that anymore. When we
1: were young enough to get like discounted train tickets and stuff.
0: Oh yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, the, we're so do old. people still backpack across <laughs> Europe? Is that a thing? That was a big thing mm-hmm. when I was a kid. I Think so. Oh, they did. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Like it was like a certain specific type of kid did that out of chapel Hill, north carolina probably like about <laughs> two a year you know and it was like the kids <laughs> yeah. first of all they didn't go to our high school generally like they're the kids who are like went to some mysterious boarding school that we you know and they would just show up occasionally at social events and stuff but they lived in town, and then they would be the ones that or they went to friend's school which was a uh quaker school in chapel hill Quakers. yeah
1: or they these are like the gap year kids
0: yeah yeah I yeah feel like
1: there's always this very sophisticated group
0: right they're blo yeah. like they His had parents like a,
1: allowed them to do stuff like this right yeah. they had a
0: worldliness <laughs> that like was totally foreign to me and, and my exactly. like nerdy friends you know most of whom were jewish right like that there was like this kind of like kids who uh were went to friend's school and they're much cooler than us that's the only thing that we knew you know and they all en- ended up at like uh Overlin or Brown or something like that and-, <laughs> and they just seemed like they understood the world they went get backpacking in Europe whereas if i had asked I my parents say, about it they'd be like backpacking what? in what you know and i would be like i don't know we're going to go across europe <laughs> yeah what's a gap what's a get no I- exactly. you don't understand i need you out of the house I need
1: to go right straight
0: now. to more school forever <laughs> um, speaking of which like the- uh, you know, I did you read this piece? I that there was this wonderful piece in by Connie Wong and it was in the New York Times. It was in the opinion section. I think it was like, you know, like sometimes opinion rolls out these big features. And mm-hmm. I thought they did this wonderful job. And it was, you know, this sort of investigation of the name Connie, right? <laughs> um amongst Asian Asian Americans. And how all these people are named after Connie Chung? Did you read this? Yeah, read I read it.
1: And Connie, you still live here in the in the White Projects?
0: Oh, really? So I know her very
1: well. <laughs> she was my neighbor. Um, oh, really? So you know her? What's she like? She's <laughs> I know in, Connie she very seems well. Cool. Yeah, she's great. She used to be um, an editor at Refinery Twenty Nine, so she's also very good at fashion and clothes. Um, but yeah, I thought this piece was very fun, and it seems like it's a part of her book that's forthcoming. Um, right. Yeah, I this was very funny to me because I then started counting like Chinese and Korean Connies in my life and there are definitely a lot of them.
0: Really? Yeah. How many did you get to? I Just got to I got to four. Okay, four. That's a lot. Which isn't I don't like know. a lot,
1: right? Yeah.
0: Oh, yeah, actually I know two. Yeah, I think I know two. And it was, you know, I think I realized at some point that these people were probably all named after Connie Chung, but I didn't really think <laughs> about it very much. But, you know, in the eighties like there wasn't really that many people on the Asian people on mm-hmm. the net. I mean, it was like, you know, the representation argument, but like Connie Chung was about it. And it was like Connie Chung was basically about as famous as any Asian person in America has ever been. And maybe the most famous, don't you think?
1: Yeah, because just the sheer numbers of people who watch broadcast news at that time because there wasn't other stuff, right? So
0: Right. I
1: think it's hard for like people who are have only lived in internet era to understand, but it truly was like you turn on your T V and she's there. It's kind of I know, it
0: was like they have like a you know, Like sometimes, pe- remember when girls came out and people like only like so many few hundred thousand of people watch girls, but everybody in the media talks about it because it's about their <laughs> life and it's this insular thing. And this is what like sort of streaming distribution yeah. is going to be. About I didn't in watch the it till
1: years later, but yeah, there was like
0: a- I watched it, I liked it. I think girls' first two seasons are really good, but like the uh, and I didn't watch beyond that, so I don't know if it's good or bad, but like it really was true that like everyone got their news at 6.30 from Peter Jennings or Dan Rather and Connie Chung. And it's like you have this person who is every single day sitting in this chair. And it was like this Asian woman, right? And then it's like two legacies. The first legacy is, you know, all the people's names. And the second legacy is like every local news... Station in America has like one Asian, Hasn't Asian. <laughs> <American woman laughs> there. Like the family guy made fun of it at some point, but it's like true, right? <laughs> like I think I've I don't think I've I sometimes watch local news when I was doing a lot of reporting, right? And it was it was shocking. You could be anywhere. It is <laughs>
1: interesting. I know. Like whatever. Omaha, you know. Did you ever go to a, an Asian American journalist meeting of any kind?
0: Yes. Yeah, I went to the AAJA the Asian American Journalists Association thing I think I went tw- two years like because uh, did you notice that
1: like there were a oh, lot yeah. of broadcast right yeah, and I was yeah. like is this true in the other races like oh, know, or don't... is it just us you know
0: yeah it's interesting because there's no male corollary right like it's like uh and not I think for lack of trying but it is something strange for like Asian women and broadcast news is like everywhere all across the board top to bottom. <laughs> And that, like, you know, from Lisa Ling now all the way like down to like, you know, like a local news reporter, not that this is, Mm -hmm. you know, diminished job, but like, you know, like a local news reporter in like Bismarck, North Dakota or something like that. She'll be like the only Asian person (laughs) in the entire city, but she happens to be a news reporter, (laughs) television news reporter who got sent there or something like that. Um, Yeah. AJA is interesting in that way where like, you know, like I have obviously like, I like will have some problems with it just because of like the identity part of it or whatever yeah but i also have realized that it's not for us right it's not for print people it is like a broadcast type it's more i think that's kind of
1: how it struck me yeah i've only ever gone to one thing but i was like well i feel weird
0: yeah 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 it's not for i was a student
1: too yeah but anyway
0: yeah we're like the weird gremlin nerds you know (laughs) (laughs)
1: what did you say in your Stephen young thing that people with the potato shaped heads
0: yeah yeah yeah. that's who we are we're not like you know we're not gonna be on you know not fit for tv yeah yeah k-p-i-x (laughs) you know san francisco you know the homelessness situation i don't know yeah they're uh actually yeah here in san francisco the the most you know kind of the most I don't know if the influential is the right word, but the most talked about local news, TV news person is this woman, Dion Lim. Have you heard of her?
1: Oh, really? No.
0: Yeah, yeah. She, um, she's just a reporter. She like the she's 11 o'clock an news?
1: Oh, she's not no, an anchor. No, she's okay. a
0: reporter, yeah. So she's one of those people. When I worked in television news, um, I would go to a lot of sites, right? Because, like, you know, obviously you have to go to the place with the camera. And
1: mm-hmm. every
0: time we went to a big event, there'd be all the local news trucks there and like vans and everything like that and so you get to see how it all works it's kind of Mm -hmm. amazing it's uh you know like some people do it where like it's all the way down these are usually young people a lot Mm -hmm. of them were asian i will say they have to do everything themselves right so they like have this giant broadcast camera like the ones that the dudes like carry on their shoulder uh-huh. They set a, up on a they tripod. Set it up. Oh my god! And then they hit, and then they stand in front of it and they film oh themselves. God. And then they go out really? to their car wow. and they pull out their laptop and they write the copy for the web thing, you know. Oh and so cow. I, I like befriended one of them at one of these things. That it was an Asian dude, and I was like, "Bro, like, how are you doing this?" And he's like, "You get you," <laughs> and he was driving his own like like toyota camry around doing all this and i was like how do you do this dude and he was like he was like i don't know it's good you know like uh it's Colin not that bad that's no, like it looks that bad like you have to carry this fucking camera <laughs> in your car to shoot yourself oh and you have to do all this sort of stuff uh you have to run your own sound everything like that to do like a live hit outside of like the courtroom where like you know such and such is happening so there's that and Dang, then there's like that's people so yeah there's all these people who ride around in vans with like three people so it's like the reporter or whatever and they're always mm-hmm. on the phone with production and production will be like um, you know, the ASP we don't have anything for five thirty. The ASPCA is doing like a free kitten giveaway. <laughs> Why don't you go down there? And then they'll drive down there and they'll like do a story on the fly. Those <laughs> people I kind of felt jealous about. It seemed like a great time, you know, where you're just Really? Like, yeah, yeah. You're just like oh, chilling. Man. If you like the other people in the van, like it seems like it would be fun.
1: I look at those people and I'm like, what do I even do? They're like <laughs> scrambling hustling like all day long you know yeah, exactly <laughs> it's so you impressive to,
0: and it's getting harder and harder because all these news agencies obviously are being bought up by private equity like giant and consolidated and their budgets are being slashed and um staff is being slashed and so then totally. one person has to do like four stories or something that like is that. so wild. wild yeah yeah it's and then they have to like do social copy for it and everything like that it's 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 nuts but the one that i yeah. um respect not to go on too long about this but the one i was the most jealous about was when we were in tulsa oklahoma for um the uh teacher strike and we were in the we we're in oklahoma for like two weeks or something like that and mm-hmm. um there would always be like tornado tracking team ads everywhere
1: oh my god really <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah it's so i called my boss Storm at some point. yeah and I was like, <laughs> madeline i'm leaving the show I'm going to go be a tornado tracker (laughs) in Oklahoma. It looks so fun. And she was like, good luck. Goodbye.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Did you ever see that Jake Gyllenhaal movie, Nightcrawler?
0: Uh, Yes. Yeah.
1: yeah, I feel like it's that energy, but obviously less creepy. Um, Yeah. Yeah. I had to go to a court hearing for work today, and there were three guys, like what you were just describing in the jury galley like,
0: oh, I bet doing their thing.
1: They had like the cell phone camera and then the big camera, you know,
0: right. I'm just like
1: quietly scribbling in a corner in the back.
0: Do you (laughs) respect that the amount of work they have to do? Right. So much respect.
1: Well, and I mean, I also, I, I don't know how, well, you've worked in so many media, but I don't know how to do anything else except except like quietly scribble. And I feel like this encounter. Yeah. Well, (laughs) this encounter with the, your subject where like you are present with a giant camera first off, instead of just a a quiet notepad and nothing is like, I just respect those journalists so much because the level they have to of trust, they have to get past all that equipment is like massive. Cause I can just walk in and just be like, Oh, like, don't pay attention to me, you know, and they're not threatened by a notepad.
0: No, no, no. I mean, cinema verite, the idea of it in documentary is, uh, you know, it's tough and Nuts, you have a whole yeah. gamut of people who are like uh we embed with like the family they always say the word embed mm-hmm. and i'm just like listen let's settle down it's like war bit, you know yeah you're <laughs> making a documentary about like carnies actually that would be real embedding like you're making a, <laughs> yeah you know, you're making a documentary about like, about a book sport, editor about or something youth sports yeah like they were not, <laughs> let, let's calm down a little bit you know um but they uh so they say, oh yeah, after like two months of us not there with the cameras, they don't, they forget the cameras are there, and I'm like, no, I don't think they. No do, way,
1: dude. how is yeah. that possible?
0: Yeah, we did a lot of that type of shooting for the two and a half years that I was at Vice. RIP, to Vice. Um, yeah,
1: I saw that. My God, and
0: it never felt at any point that anybody who was in that room was comp- was mm-hmm. not fully aware that the cameras were there, and that the. uh and that the that everything was kind of like, you know, geared towards that, that it wasn't yeah. a production. And, you know, we didn't do the stuff that people do, to be fair. So maybe it works at some point, but it's just very hard for me to believe. Um, I think you can get closer to it than some others, but yeah, it's a it's a little bit it's a little bit strange. Um it seems we are right? uh yeah. and then the weirdest part is like of all of this, and going back to Connie Chung, it's like I'm always interested in these people who are before the narrative starts around them. So like Connie Wait, Chung what? is definitely one of them, right? Mm-hmm. Like Connie Chung was kind of like an Asian American on television. It was super weird, but I don't feel like there's a ton of conversation about Connie Chung. And what I actually, the thing that I really tried to impress in the film that I made, and uh, and I think that what this piece did too, It's like these people were like so much more famous than like all the people who do get credit for a lot of representation stuff, you know. Interesting, but they just didn't talk about it. Yeah, and the reason why they didn't talk about it wasn't because they didn't think about it being weird, you know. It's because like they were so famous that they couldn't really talk about it. (laughs)
1: The they jumped the Juggins? shark in their own lives like <laughs> yeah. right, well i thought right. it was so weird in the piece how she was like i can't believe this is happening that people would actually know and i was like really is this the first time you've heard about this like i kind of didn't believe her
0: oh i believe but you believe her, her. yeah because i've had some because interactions. of this. i've had some interactions with her and let me first say i'm massive Connie Chung fan you know like <laughs> Connie if like, you're listening <laughs> I I just feel like I just like you know there's like Susan Waldman is another person I you know Susan Waldman is much more controversial I think than Connie Chung in some ways Susan Waldman has been for the past 25 years the radio voice of the New York Yankees right and she oh, has this totally God. interesting past where she was a Broadway singer and she like starred in man of La Mancha and all this sort of stuff. And then she (laughs) had this like relationship with George Steinbrenner and she became WFAN's kind of Yankee, Yankee reporter. And the shit that she got from dudes because she was like such an outlier at that time for being a woman in this position Mm. was ridiculous, you know? And then for 25 years, she's been that, like, it's so strange that the biggest baseball team in the country, the radio color announcer has been a woman for the past like thirty years, twenty five, thirty years, right? And no one gives her credit for any of this. I've Pioneer never heard stuff. of her. Yeah, so did
1: you have you uh, talked to her? She sounds amazing.
0: Well, I wanted to make a documentary about her and her last year, you know, which I still might do because she's still the color announcer. But. Um, yeah, okay. I've been thinking about it. Uh, Lindsay Adler, who's call. a writer with The Athletic, wrote a great piece about her a couple of years ago okay. with the same kind of angle being like, why is this not the pioneer of pioneers? And I'm just like, thank <laughs> you. <laughs> yeah, but but uh, I don't know. I think when people are called pioneers by the types of people who call people pioneers, that they have to sort of, they have to fit maybe within a very narrow box to be called that, you know? And I think that... Um, in sports reporting sports broadcasters there was was also this woman who was called the fabulous sports babe and she ran like a national uh nationwide sports talk program when i was in high school so like think about that that's like 25 years ago this woman was like just talking sports on the radio you know um wow by herself like no without co-hosts or (laughs) anything all sports yeah she's like a general
1: talk sports talk show
0: Right. It was like Colin Coward wow. or something like that. The fabulous sports babe. And you're just like, why is she not like that was so weird to have her in that position, you know? Hmm. And I always have like this amazing respect for people. like that, where That's it's amazing, just like, yeah. yeah, it's just like, they should get more credit. But I don't think that they like, it's not that they don't care. But it's almost like like they have to fight so much right to get the to the place that they are that i don't think they really like have the bandwidth to do it and it was very nice i thought that connie sort of connie wong like gave this very touching tribute i thought the photos were great i thought it was like amazing that the photographer's name was also an asian woman named. i don't know i loved it um yeah. So you
1: really, okay, so you really believe Connie and she, Connie Chang, that she, sorry, Connie Chang, that she didn't know. So she was so far ahead of the curve that she didn't even think about herself in the curve.
0: Oh, no, no. I think she did. I just think that like it was, you know, the even when she that's did thing. talk about it and stuff, it was not discussed, you know, because she was almost too famous, you know? That's um, so weird. Yeah, it's a very, very strange, um, I don't know. What a strange life, you know, like what kind of like a remarkable life. And, you know, I don't know. I felt like I felt happy reading it, which is rare. You know, usually I just read through gritted teeth.
1: Um, (laughs) I think I mentioned this to you, but also Connie Chung and Maury Povich support this. They, They fund this newspaper in Montana that's very, very important. Because that area is basically a news desert. It's called the Flathead Beacon, and it's an excellent newspaper.
0: Oh cool yeah yeah so, for those who don't they've know they've had a
1: house there and they've they uh, have invested in the news economy so that's very cool i think
0: oh, that's cool yeah they're yeah. married they've been married forever for those who don't oh, know connie chung marriage. and Mor- it's just, i don't know it's so just like, like a, it's like, like a low key, the most mega fat, fan. oh my god yeah it's like low-key the most <laughs> fascinating person in america to me and the most like I don't know. Connie, if you're listening, let's do this. (laughs) Let's do this project. You know, it's going to be great. I'm very happy that that all I I don't know why, but it just feels underexamined to me. It's just like this was the only Can you think of other Asian people that you saw on television when we were growing up
1: at that time? No,
0: It's just her. She's like this woman just kind of do, holding it down by herself you know yeah. Margaret Cho another one where you're just yeah like, for
1: sure I was gonna I mean yeah. she definitely came to mind but that was a bit later right
0: that was a little bit later but like yeah. you know like the, the strangeness of Margaret Cho having her show in the night you know like that was the, so
1: it was too early
0: yeah it's like 25 years before and totally. now and then once like fresh look no shade just fresh off the boat right but like the sort of fanfare around that show being like oh it's the first you know i'm just like bro like margaret cho was doing this before anyone asked her to you know before anybody was okay with it before anyone even understood what the heck was
1: going on like it wasn't good but it was so amazing that it existed
0: (laughs) i know i know it wasn't good though margaret cho is another one that i'll defend um you know like you like i will feel personally insulted i don't even know if margaret cho's comedy is good or not anymore you know (laughs) but i'm just like i feel such a emotional attachment to it because i've just i think about how hard like you know like you and i go through some stuff not you know nothing nothing compared to that where it's just like no way
1: (laughs) because being on screen is like a whole thing that
0: Right, and being I the only want. one. <laughs> like, the oh only yeah, man, making a network ABC. Sit- <laughs> I don't know if it's ABC but whatever. A network sitcom, twenty six episodes. It is so wild. Show that about that an existed. Asian family. <laughs> like what the fuck was that? How did how did that happen? You know, it was uh, I don't know. Um, yeah, so to all you lonely pioneers, I salute you. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And both also, lemon. Connie. It's cool. Connie Wong, great great piece um all right so <laughs> let's switch gears here to something much more serious which is that i don't think on the show you and i have talked about Well, we sort of alluded to it but you know like um this morning the san francisco district's attorneys of office after hearing a lot of public outcry finally released video for the shooting of banco brown who was a, oh wow okay um homeless trans person who was shot by a Walgreens security guard and yeah. um, during like a alleged shoplifting event
1: mm-hmm.
0: and uh, the San Francisco DA who is Brooke Jenkins who fashioned herself as the a- opposite of Chesa, right, who helped get him recalled and then took over and has been I'm going to bring law and order back to San Francisco type of thing mm-hmm. you know the SFPD arrested the security guard and You know, um, I think there is like some talk of murder charges or whatever. And uh, Brooke Jenkins decided not to charge him and uh, the security guard and decided to let him go under the idea that this was all self-defense and that he had a reasonable he had some reasonable reason to fear for his safety. And that, but she wouldn't release the video, citing like a ongoing yes. investigation, right? And so there was weeks, a week of protest here in the city, um, and then she finally released it this morning, and it shows what you would expect, right? Like uh, there is an altercation because Banco Brown is walking out, and you know, under suspicion of shoplifting. I don't know, like I imagine maybe Banco Brown did shoplift, right? But like we don't exactly know that, but like it's not mm-hmm. relevant it doesn't here. doesn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> right. Like uh yeah Bangor Brown is wrestled to the ground. There is a fight, but like the aggressor does seem to be the security guard. Right. And then and then person Bango Brown is shot dead. Right. Jesus. And uh whether this will receive the same amount of outrage as uh Jordan Neely, I I kind of doubt because like uh, you know, it's San Francisco, not New York the video is a little bit different. And because I think there's some exhaustion nationally, right? Um, But, you know, to me, it's the two are inextricably linked. And, you know, the question behind them is the same. And the question behind them is, is there a push right now to say that because of Homelessness problem because of the fear of random attacks, all of them being caught on video and distributed through social media whenever, because of a real problem that does exist in terms of rising murder rates that are now declining, right? But it's from 2020 to 2022, there's a big spike Um, and that there's a lot of sort of retail theft and stuff like that being caught on video in New York City specifically. It is a question about the subway system in San Francisco it is a question about the downtown area the tenderloin everywhere around there being with homelessness and a lot of street crime right now both of these are real issues that happen right like um there are things that people are worried about but has like the sort of hysteria over those two problems that i think we can agree do exist in some level has it led to like a kind of blood loss that's out in the public right where um the public wants to justify things that perhaps they would not have justified in the past, um, that they have devalued homeless life or, or the lives of people who are poor, especially, I think, people who are poor and black, right? Um, mm-hmm. uh, in this country, in a way where any type of offense, any type of, quote, aggression, any type of offense that they might commit, right? Like shoplifting, for example, at a Walgreens, that like people are okay, just acting
1: weird, right? Yeah. Or
0: acting strange. Right. Like if there's like, people are okay with the death penalty for this essentially. Right. Um, I think that's like the question that a lot of people have articulated. I don't know. Where, where are you with all of this right now?
1: Yeah. Well, it sounded like to me, you were like kind of maybe making that argument yourself. I mean, I certainly feel like over the last couple of years, but particularly like the last year in New York, just even conversations with liberal friends and colleagues and, just people, I think, and also in, through the process of reporting, have revealed like very, very ugly feelings that right. people have towards poor people, and that this encounter with the sight of of misery on the streets and in our public transit really does something to people. Like it offends them in some particular way, even when they're not really receiving anything except that visual. I don't want to say that there's never a situation where somebody who's troubled on the train doesn't like throw garbage or, you know, smoke or piss or I don't, I mean, I've seen a lot of stuff also in the last couple of years, but I, I've never felt like endangered and I don't know if these people that I'm talking to also feel endangered or whether it's just something where it's like almost this grotesque, like it's grotesque to them, you know? So I, I think I have been processing that and, I think what someone in our Discord also called a sort of like fascist reaction towards homeless people um, in the wake of the the killing of Jordan Neely.
0: What do you think? Right, what, right. Because um, it's so
1: intense on the West Coast also. I feel like my Seattle experience and my New York experience are right. very different.
0: Right, right, right. Seattle is similar to San Francisco at this Definitely. point. Portland yeah. for sure, you know? Portland, yes. Um, and I mean, I don't know. I don't know why I'm saying Portland is worse than that than Seattle because Seattle is really bad. I think I,
1: Portland's worse based on my reporting.
0: Okay, I think you're yeah. right. You mean the yeah. anger about it, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um yeah. I think part of that is because people in Portland feel a type of strange owner, well, not strange, but in some ways it might even be good, but they feel a civic ownership over the city that, you know, and a lot of them are from there in ways that like maybe they're not in Seattle, right? And that mm. um and also I think maybe the homelessness problem might be worse. <laughs> you know, like it might be a combination of I think it's like that.
1: concentrated. It's like a typography thing too
0: yeah right right that's the issue in san francisco too which is like san francisco has this unfortunate thing hat that is true of it which is that like are now like is anyone going to walk through the tenderloin without being shocked who has never been there before no everyone who walks through the tenderloin who is a compassionate person who is used to its type of living standard in america who walks through the tenderloin and sees the homeless encampments is going to be shocked right like it's it's not like there's no reason to sanitize it. It's it's shocking for people to see. The issue with San Francisco, I think, at least in my opinion, is that all the tech industry is downtown, right? Mm-hmm. Um, all the offices are downtown. All of the hotels are downtown. You know, and San Francisco is like has a small downtown area. And I think what it is is that visitors to the city um, and people who mm-hmm. are going to work at tech jobs, like they see this every day, right? And they see sort of the expansion of it through COVID because homelessness expanded during COVID. because I think right. we talked about it last week because of the yeah. shelter system, everything like mm-hmm. that. And, um, you know, like they feel upset about it in this way that like we can judge them for, but I understand why they are upset even if I completely disagree with the way in which that being upset expresses itself at times, right? There are people who see that every day and do think like, why don't we have services for these people? What is this wealth inequality mm-hmm. in this country? But like, very, like, I don't think the right response to it is to just be like, oh, get tough. You know, that's just life. Like, it's fucked up way to think about it. Like, these people are dying in the streets, you know? So um, I just
1: have a question about the 10 trillion yeah. because I think- I mean, I think the last time I was there was like 15 years ago and I think I was reporting on harm reduction and that was always right. an area that had concentrated poverty, right. drug use and right. services related to that. So how different is it from that time to this time? And like, why is it, I guess, so shocking given that that always was an area that people like segmented in their minds is like, that's that area.
0: Well, I think there's two things. The first is that the Tenderloin always was like that, but there was multiple single residency, resident occupancy hotels, or SRO hotels there that a lot of people lived in, right? And so, um, the street homelessness, which is you know people in tents or wherever, maybe wasn't as intense, but mm-hmm. it is qualitatively worse. Like I lived in the Bay yeah. Area from 2004 to 2011. I returned to the Bay Area in 2020, and um, It's way worse. Like, there's no other way to put it. Like, you know, like the expansion of poverty, homelessness, you know, chronic homelessness is like, you feel it. Like, you feel it driving under every underpass. You feel it driving through San Francisco's downtown area. Now, you don't feel it if you drive out to Clement Street, for example, and go to the Richmond where actual people in San Francisco live, you know? I see, I see. And that's not that
1: far from there, right? Yeah, San Francisco's seven by seven miles, right? It's a tiny
0: city. Um, you don't really, you feel it a little bit in the hate, but like, you know, mm-hmm. there is always like some homeless population in the hate, but you know, downtown it's much worse. Like there, if you go out way out towards like uh, the beach there, are, you know, rows and rows and rows of RVs where people live parked on mm-hmm. the side of the road yeah. that wasn't there 10 years ago. I used to go to the beach mm-hmm. all the time to go surfing. It wasn't there in the East Bay, every underpass pretty much has like some sort of encampment sure. or something by it. And you just see it all the time and it's upsetting. And so I think people feel that way. And I just think that there's this, i wrote about this and I think that the issue is that like people feel this way. They feel like nothing's being done despite the fact that, you know, billions of dollars in California are being spent. Right. It's just very, it's a very slow moving thing to fix. Right. Yeah. And They don't really believe the progressive like or even the Gavin Newsom housing first type of the official stance of California is housing first. Right. Which is Uh we will do everything in our power to expand the housing stock and to give affordable housing so that these people have something someplace, a roof over their head. Uh Right. And um, that's the biggest thing. And look, you can't jail people and get them off drugs. Right. But what you can do is you can give them a place to stay. Where yeah. they can and connect them to services and give them a roof over their head so they can reduce the stress of living on the street so that they can get away from, like, these types of places and so that they can, like, rebuild their life, right? But the problem with that, of course, is that it's very hard to secure enough housing to deal with right. an exploding homelessness problem. Yeah. And, like, when you're answered to, like, hey, you know, every day I pass by and somebody's screaming at me or, like, you know, like I feel unsafe with my kid walking in this area, is like, well, you know, like uh we need to change zoning laws so that more housing can right, be built. Right. Like it, there's like a timeline problem, but there's also an immediacy problem that people feel. Mm-hmm. And I think that in that space there's been a lot of people who have come in, like Michael Schellenberger, who, you know, lives here in Berkeley and, you know, wrote the book San Francisco. Um and or like uh, you know, a lot of local politicians as well. And they have ideas of being extremely hard line. And that this is amplified by uh, not all tech people by any means, but a small portion of like very influential tech people screaming that San Francisco is a failed state and it's like a zombie town or whatever. And that this gives off the sense, I think, to people that nothing's being done and this is a state of emergency. Mm -hmm. I don't even really disagree with the state of emergency part, right? But in that space, the desire to do something about it can be expressed in violence
1: mm-hmm. and it is
0: increasingly being expressed in violence like yeah. uh there is a video of and this God. one like really broke my heart it's, like this woman is sitting on a in front of a art gallery and uh the guy who owns the art gallery is spraying her with a hose did you see this no like, he just keeps spraying her with a hose Jesus and she's like cowering God. and like Every, you read all the comments, I know this isn't real life, but like you read all the comments and it's just all defense of this guy. Every time I write about homelessness in San Francisco, it's just like mm-hmm. this flood of people being like, Do you even live there? Do you know how bad it is? Mm. Now, like, you know, some of these are just idiots who pay for Twitter or whatever, right? Sure. But a lot of those people do live in San Francisco, you know? Mm-hmm. And so like I just think that there's an emerging hard line and it expresses itself online. But I will say, I will stop short of saying that this is a majority of people in the city of San Francisco, you know? I don't think it is. Like, I just think that it's a growing faction of people and that all those people happen to be online, you know? Mm -hmm. But the ugliness of it and the ugliness of the conversation around Jordan Neely is just like, I don't know, it like took me to an extremely dark place. (laughs)
1: I think yeah I mean I do you know if in the case of the person who was killed at Walgreens there's also been this outpouring of support for the security guard because no. in New York the the defenses of the guy who killed him are just wild to me and astonishing and I think like the news coverage too where everyone's digging into every you know piece of trash that Jordan nearly ever threw on the ground. Um,
0: right, right. I just right, don't or... really.
1: It's very, very difficult to process. I mean, he did apparently punch a woman very seriously in the face, and yeah, you know, an the older
0: woman, yeah, an
1: older woman, yeah. and um, you know, and these are real things that you know. I mean, obviously, that right. that is a very serious um, offense, but. But the tone and the, yeah, as you said, like I think the bloodlust and kind of going after him to try to like justify and cleanse the hands of this Marine who killed him is just, uh, it's like pretty extraordinary. Right. I didn't they
0: expect want to, it.
1: Yeah.
0: They're trying to turn it into Batman, right? Like mm-hmm. they want to turn all yeah. these things into like Batman. and They want stuff. to turn all these cities into Gotham City. Mm-hmm. And they want the idea, they want this fantasy Which I don't think the 99% of these people will ever act upon that, hey, the way to get rid of this homeless problem, if you think of them all as junkies, you think of them all as like crazy people who refuse help. If you think of them all as people who are contacted for services all the time, but refuse to go into shelter or whatever, which, you know, some of the chronic population, that's true, you know, yeah, that like the only way that you can protect the city and let people walk safely is to enact violence against them. That is very comic book type of, uh, Uh of fantasy. And I think online, at least that's what we're seeing is, and especially with, uh, with uh, Jordan Neely, you know, like, Uh I just think that it's like this fantasy that like, we can do something about it, you know, and this is the only thing that we can do. And, we should do it. Right. And that I don't I again, I don't think the majority of people feel that way. But, man, it's like you can yeah. tell, you can see that GOP salivating over this. Like Ron DeSantis basically was like, give this guy a medal. Right. Gosh. And I think that what they're banking on is the same thing that the GOP banks on all the time now, which is the idea that they feel like the majority of the pub- public probably agrees that, you know, this guy did nothing wrong. Right. And that this was like like
1: a Kyle Rittenhouse thing to me. Right. 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 Same Same playbook. Probably the same community. Right. I'm curious, though. So I feel like um, in the piece that you wrote about this, um, I was really struck by this argument you were making around like the ill fit between kind of our the solutions we know are good and real. um, The timeline for those versus like what we need and. I'm wondering, like, what you – is there something we can kind of do in the interim? Because, yeah, I mean, I think, like, the housing first model, I generally agree with it. I think it's proven to work when it does work. But, But also, like, people have the right to be where they want to be. Shelters, even when there are spots open, are like very coercive spaces that can often be prison like and like very dangerous. And there are reasons a lot of times why people would rather live in a tent or floating from place to place than going into a shelter, even if there is a spot, which increasingly there are no spots. And in New York, there's this whole thing, which we can't even really get into in this conversation about the migrants.
0: Right, Eric Coming Adams, and taking those spots, right? Shelter. So it's like, yeah. exactly. So yeah, It's monstrous. kind it of
1: pitting there. the immigrants against like the quote unquote native homeless populations. But, but you know, I think like a lot of cities are really struggling with this thing of like, even if you have outreach teams, even if you are offering this stuff, if somebody doesn't want to go, like they are adults and this is their city. And if they want to stay outside, like shouldn't they be able to stay outside, right? So, I mean, what do you do with that?
0: Yeah, it's a impossible question that everybody is trying to fix, right? Like, I think that the misconception that people have who are mad about it is that anybody is okay with all of this, right? Like, that they want people to live in 10 encamp. Nobody wants people in a 10 encampment, um, period, right? Except for, like, six people, maybe, <laughs> who are, like, online <laughs> leftists who are... Like you should never listen to those people.
1: I mean, know? even the people who are like encampment defenders are not like, this is a great situation. Oh, yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah, is yeah, what yeah, you're, yeah, I feel yeah, like. is Yeah.
0: yeah. Right. Like yeah. even like the DSA, for example, like they, if you told them, do you think that this, you know, they might say like, Oh, you know, like they have a right to be here. And like the, pigs are coming in and uh, sweeps are genocidal or whatever. But if you're like, do you think this person should be in an apartment? They'll all say yes, you know, like, right. except for like right, right. three That's people who are like, you know, <laughs> don't listen to those people. But um, <laughs> I think that there needs to, I don't know. I I, I think about this all the time, obviously. Yeah. And I just think like, look, I started out, I I became very fixated on this idea or on this one story about how they're putting like basically these fema sheds up all over the east bay right for people to live in it's like each person gets about 60 square feet but they have a locking door and Mm -hmm. um so it's basically
1: tiny house like yeah it's just a tiny house yeah yeah Yeah. yeah.
0: it is a tiny house yeah and so i talked to people who are homeless and you know i asked them do you feel like you would want to live in one of these Mm -hmm. every single person i spoke to except with the exception of one said Mm -hmm. they would gladly live in one of those if it was available these are all people who are living in encampments right and so I think it is about trying to build a temporary shelter system that works that people actually want to stay in right and that you can sort of offload some of the pressure in encampments onto these things they can be connected with services now the problem is that there's not enough people to work at these places and it's difficult to actually keep it running because nobody wants Mm -hmm. that job and also like you know it's very hard to do things like some of them have curfews some of them have no drug use like uh, rules like they all have different types of regulations and they're Mm -hmm. also very expensive because like you want to build a shower for people that works right you want to build a bathroom that works so you have to reroute plumbing right that's really fucking expensive right so i think that trying to figure out something outside of just congregate shelters that people actually Mm -hmm. want to go to is the first thing but then like you know i don't know i had a conversation with someone at the times when i was writing about this and this person basically just said like they're building slums (laughs) like if you don't have an exit plan out of them and that's the part that's hard right like um there's no exit plan out of it that i really believe in even if i believe theoretically with housing first, right? And so it's a very, very difficult problem. But man, I don't know. Sometimes I just think you watch some of these responses, you see some of the hatred of the homeless growing and it sometimes even makes me think that maybe like people should like maybe we should have like more religion in this country or something like that. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> where it's just Let's not like not go crazy
1: now, Jay. <laughs> where it's um, just like
0: maybe maybe like there needs like it feels like some like I don't know. I guess it just got that yeah. dark for me where I just felt like there's no moral center in this country anymore that says that we should help the less fortunate and people who are clearly suffering from from a host of problems that are not their fault you know mm-hmm. and uh it just seems to be eroding in the big cities right now and um i don't know i'm i try not to catastrophize like that's sort of my thing you know i just say like i don't know probably mm-hmm. doesn't matter but this the past two weeks have been just brutal now i, think so, I agree too. with you that the banco brown thing i have not seen the same defense because. The guy just sh- just shot Banco Brown, you know. Um, and uh, but New York City, yeah. I mean, it seems like some portion of that population seems, you know, they've probably felt threatened uh, on the subway by somebody, right? In a similar state, and yeah. uh, they probably felt scared. And I don't believe in judging people for feeling scared in those situations because you know it is it is like just having tough skin towards somebody suffering like that I don't think is a virtue and also people respond to things like that differently but one would hope that you know the end response would not be okay so it's okay to kill them you know but I don't know it seems like some people are concluding that way so I don't know I've been rethinking some of my priors on this yeah
1: oh man <laughs> <I'm sorry. laughs> no I mean you know? I think yeah no I appreciate that and I think like my, my first like bad thought is like we need to have more fights at dinner parties and in social <laughs> situations where people start talking about this and like i'm sure i've been in some situations where i just kind of let it go like oh, that yeah was
0: i generally let dick. it go too. but yeah. i
1: think like i'm just gonna start fighting it out with people because it's just so ugly and i think very a very sort of like casual dismissiveness of these people as people like is now leading to this
0: right right and that's the fear it's like like you don't have to quote a gombin or whatever like that to figure out what's might happen right which is like you have a dehumanization of an entire group of people the aclu did this thing a few years a couple years back where they of southern california the aclu of southern Mm -hmm. california tried to move to have homelessness like come up almost as like an identity category that would be protected oh, by a protected law. class. What? Yeah, yeah, protected uh-huh. class. And I was like, <laughs> it's like so my first response that. was like, yeah, I don't know. And so I talked to the person um who was behind it, who was somebody I actually really respect. Um mm-hmm. and her explanation I thought was pretty good, which was just like legally you kind of do need to do this because municipalities are gonna move and you have to like be able to protect a group of people if they actually are a group of people. But I also think from like a standpoint at some level, like you should think of the homelessness as a protected population in some ways, because if you just think of them, like that's how a lot of these narratives come in about, you know, oh, none of them are from in state anyway, right? Right, They're all exactly, out from yeah. outside. They're all drug addicts. Mm-hmm. All of them refuse care. None of them will ever go into any type of housing. If you provide for them, they'll be back out on the street because they want to be closer to the meth right? Or to the fentanyl or whatever. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, there are people for whom those narratives are true. They're a tiny, tiny fraction of the homeless population. And um, and believe me, the people who are were really concerned about the homeless and work to help them, like they know that too, you know? And so yeah. like, like, I just, I do think at some level, I think about this sometimes where it's just like, I do think that there's probably some dishonesty that happens, right? Like there's some valorizing. It happened with Peter with uh, jordan neely absolutely where it was like this type of this desire to like turn him into like a deified figure who's just like a yeah. michael jackson impersonator mm-hmm. and like that stuff sucks you know for reasons that everybody has pointed out i think already like online yeah. which is like uh you're denying the problem you know and you're denying this person like uh like the problems that they are going through right and um and then the second, all the right has to do is point out that those things aren't true, <laughs> you know, right. that, that yeah, they did exactly. that they did this, this, and this. And then what do you do? Then you're stuck, you know, like uh, you're kind of stuck, right? Mm-hmm. Like you just have to deny, deny, deny more. But, you know, I actually think that the contribution of that type of thing to the actual feeling of the homelessness and the discourse of the homelessness, if you call it like message control amongst progressives about homelessness it's like 5% of the problem right now. You know, the mm. problem is actually on the streets and people's response to what's on the street. And I don't know what to do in the short term. Um, yeah. It's not my job to come up with solutions. I know.
1: asking am as a solutions
0: <laughs> journalist. Oh man. One thing anyway. I was
1: thinking about is I think like, I think we've both seen and most people understand that there has been these increases in suffering through the course of the pandemic. And it's, it speaks so much to, I think the fraying of all of these different social ties that people had. So Mm. like, because I was thinking about how, um, because I think of the infusion of the social programs, theoretically there shouldn't be as many people just cold out on the street. Right. So, so like, theoretically those people should have had enough connectedness to social infrastructure to other people where they could have gotten some of those benefits. Yes. There's not enough housing, but perhaps they would have been at a less precarious level of homelessness. So like couch surfing, crashing with right. people, you know what I mean? But all of that seems to that it's like that almost like that layer is gone.
0: Yeah. You know, so
1: that people are kind of slipping from something stable to something like very, very dangerous right away. And I, um, I mean, I don't know. Maybe that kind of actually gets to like your religion point where it's just like what is going on with people where we're just kind of not taking care of each other right now.
0: Right. Um, right. It's Yeah, it's, it really
1: freaks me out.
0: It's like the world feels much harder than um, yeah. like a harder edge to it than it did. It really does. And it's I don't think about it except in too much except in these terms right like you know people think about it in terms of what politicians say or political theater or something it's like easy for me to ignore that but it's just a little bit harder when like, somebody misses gets evicted and then yeah. um and then well and then lives in their car for a while and then you see a very rapid decline you know and yeah. uh and it's like the I desire for a solution is basically like look i don't know what decision would be i don't agree with like compelled court ordered institutionalization or or like um you know like uh conservatorships or whatever but like i don't know it's like are there ways to do that in a way that is like uh compassionate i'd I don't personally think so, <laughs> but I imagine. actually think for the people who argue for that type of system, that like it's better to take them as being people who are in some good faith trying to help people. They just see a hopeless situation. And to try and argue it on the merits than to, like, instantly say that these people are full of hate. But, like, it's just, like, strange how many people are now actually full of hate who aren't even arguing that part of it, you right, know, right. who are just, like, basically yeah. arguing we need to, like, sweep these people out of the cities and put them in camp somewhere. Mm-hmm. That seems to be increasing, too. So um, I don't know. It's something I also I, I find more compassionate people in my daily conversation. But, Tammy, a lot of people I've spoken to uh, say what you say. Which is that in their daily conversations they found a real hardening around that too. Yeah. Um. So I, I, it might be a thing where I'm, you know, people know maybe they know that I, you know, tend to write about this and they just don't want to express their true feelings about this with me in person. Um. But uh. You know. I don't know. I've also found hmm. that most people in the Bay Area at least are like reasonable about it. Even people who don't know. You know. I just have hear. conversation with. They don't know who i am you know Mm -hmm. um yeah if it was all like people who listen to podcasts or something like that i would be like i don't know if they're telling me the truth (laughs) but these are just like dads (laughs) you know most people are pretty compassionate yeah anyway um okay anything else we want to talk about
1: no it's good it's good that we are starting this conversation we'll keep it going Um,
0: yeah how's everything else
1: i'm good yeah i don't I wish I had something interesting to it. Yeah, I think I'm gonna again, try to. Um, I think I'm gonna try to start swimming, if I can find a pool that's cheap.
0: How do people swim in New York City?
1: There's like memberships. There's like a couple Y's that have pools. In the uh, summer, it's okay because the public pools are open. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like right. I'm like at that like middle age now, where like I need to be in like aquatic aerobics.
0: I know. Can you join you know, the Yale like club? Softer, Do they have a pool? That's
1: terrible. Is, the, like never is there a gonna. Yale
0: club? Like I know there's a Harvard club because yeah. I went to a wedding there. Is there a Yale club? Do they have a pool?
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, yeah. right. I'm sure. You I should, mean, I
1: don't know. I I assume I've. I think I've only that. You Should done that go once. there. That would be oh, really funny. No. You
0: Do you know how many good story ideas you would get for hanging around the Yale club? Oh, my Yale God. <laughs>
1: I don't even go to that part of the would. Boot,
0: the problem is you could only write you could only write one and then Wait, they would boot. Yeah, you could write one. You would have to save it all up and then you could write one story and then oh they would boot God. you. But during that time you could probably swim, right? I don't know. I imagine <laughs> even for you know it's probably really. Try to like
1: extend the story. I'm like, this is a four-year reporting journey. I think their like pool me. is super
0: nice. I know of a pool it's right terrible. on Grand Army Plaza. The only reason I know about it is because oh, wow. um it's it was on like the fourth floor or the fifth floor of a um of a synagogue, and there was a preschool. What in that oh building God. that a lot of people in my in my building that I lived because I used to live like on Eastern Parkway that they would go to, and I was always like, how do they have a pool above a preschool? Nuts. What if it? blows up yeah. you know what if it leaks and then everyone's like that's not a th- real thing like you don't know what you're talking about <laughs> and it's like i don't know man you got a ton of water up on the top of this building seems crazy to me <laughs> but listen i was right the pool leaked and no it, yeah and it took out the preschool for about like nine months or something like that oh my <laughs> nobody God. was injured but you know it did flood and i was like yeah that's right you shouldn't put a pool on the fifth floor of like an old building in brooklyn Holy you know, it not make any sense i think the whole thing i, I forget what it's called um union temple <laughs> i think is what it was called but um yeah we did not pick that preschool mm, for that reason because I was, yeah. like, I was like why is there a pool up here you know I was like oh I, I felt like i was in like um curb your enthusiasm or something like that you know <laughs> <laughs> what's the deal with this pool and everybody's like what is this guy talking about? That's hilarious. <laughs> yeah but i was right um and i will i will claim that all right well thank you for listening to the show Tammy and i do this every week we have gas on right now we are in the midst of our third year anniversary extravaganza which yeah. will go as long i feel like we're like a you know, like when you're 22 or 23 and you have a friend who's like, it's my birthday week. And you're just like, what the fuck is wrong with you, bro? <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> yeah, like you're, you're planning events around your birthday and expecting <laughs> me to come. Like, no, I'll come to like a bar for an hour, you know, but I feel like that's what we're doing. So let's just like, let's just go with it. So we're doing our third anniversary extravagance. We're gonna have guests on. We had um, Andy on last week to talk about it. We're gonna do a little bit more of that. Uh, mm-hmm. If you'd like to support the show, it's five dollars a month at goodbye.substack.com or patreon.com/ttsg. You can also support the show by buying a tote bag now. Like we have <laughs> some, <laughs> yeah, we have some merchandise. Um, you can buy one, have it shipped to you, uh, and if you're coming to the picnic in New York City, you can just say. Uh, you can select ship to TTSG. Um, all this stuff, there's going to be links for this on the show notes, and we're probably going to put it on social media as well. Yeah. yeah. Uh, if you'd like to email us, it's time to say goodbye, pod at gmail.com, and you can, uh, yeah. Till next week, uh, goodbye.